I am so delighted today to introduce you my, to my beautiful friend, Sarah Connolly. Sarah has many hats. Um, she is an alcohol coach with a lot of training and expertise. I met Sarah 2020, I think, as part of Jolene Park's Grey Area Drinking Coaching. And we have since become firm friends. You know when you meet your people, who they are. And I find in this alcohol-free community, similarly to the neurodivergent community, people become close very quickly uh, because you can cut through things. We're used to sharing ourselves very vulnerably and a lot of the time we're continuously working on ourselves and learning about ourselves on this journey to integration together. So Sarah has come today to talk about highly sensitive people um, or highly people who feel things with a greater depth or with a great depth. And I find a lot of people who drink will relate to this and Sarah who as I said is a beautiful human being she has so much knowledge in this area and if you find the world overwhelming if you find when you stop drinking your feelings were very hard to sit with if you feel like you can read a room when you walk into it if you feel like you're trying to keep everybody safe all the time, including yourself, and the hustle and bustle of life is very hard on you, you might find that you're a highly sensitive or a high sensory person. I think you'll enjoy this chat. Over to me and Sarah. you're a woman in midlife whose intuition is telling you that giving booze the elbow might be the next right move, then Midlife AF is the podcast for you. Join counsellor, psychotherapist, this naked mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach Emma Gilmore for a weekly natter about parenting quirky teens, menopause, relationships and navigating this thing called midlife alcohol free. If you're feeling that life could be so much more, that you're sick and tired of doing all the things for everyone else, if your intuition is waving her arms manically at you saying, it could all be so much easier if we didn't have to keep drinking, come with me. Together we'll find our groove without booze. Too much, too much, Emma. It's often been said to me. I'm just going to put my beautiful friend, Sarah. There she is. In five. Let's see what happens. Yay! Hey. Hey. You got me? Yes. You might have missed me singing. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was lucky enough to catch that moment. <laughs> good I'm glad you were able to see that 
this is my beautiful friend Sarah, who I'm sure most of you already know. She is divine. I love her very much. I met her at, um, we were training together in uh, Jolene Park, grey area drinking training. Hi Nat! Good Hi, to see you! Good to see you! <laughs> I love the singing. Thank you, thank you. It is my um, it's my special, it's my hidden talent. <laughs> um, but uh, Sarah is extraordinary, and she, I, I have certain things in my toolbox in terms of being a coach and a counsellor, and Sarah. It's, has done so many amazing things. She's got so many strings in her bow and she's also a beautiful, kind, gentle, nourishing person. Um, Sarah, would you like to um, tell the people on about yourself and you know what you do and a little bit of background? Well, thank you for those lovely, kind words. That was really, really lovely. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I met Em in the grey area drinking um, coaching program and prior to that um, I have trained as a multiple style of, in multiple styles of coaching and um, also counselling, um, mindfulness, uh, self-compassion with Kristen Neff. Um, I'm a bit of a study junkie like many of us coaches I think we're all slightly addicted to um, personal development <laughs> and learning about different things in terms of uh, psychology and how to help people grow as human beings and so that's my passion that's what I do I work uh, with Thrivalist as a coach and with the alcohol free lifestyle program coaching people both through giving up alcohol and then what happens after that, which is becoming uh, a greater passion in many ways of working yeah. with people on how to optimise their lives once they remove alcohol. And yes, I quit alcohol just over three years ago. It's the best thing that I've ever done for myself um, and for those around me. And it just keeps, um, it's the gift that keeps on giving um, through all the highs and lows. I just love being yeah. present for all of it, so. Mm. Thank you. Thanks for that lovely introduction. Um, and part of the reason that I wanted to bring Sarah on here is um, Sarah's been on a journey of her own around the area. And I don't think it's very well known, um, this the concept and the, um, the condition of, of being a highly sensitive person. Um, and I also have a connection whilst potentially not a highly sensitive person, but I live with a family of neurodiverse people um, and learning how to cope with how extraordinarily overwhelming the world can be sometimes has been part of my journey um, with the neurodiversity in my family and I think it's really interesting to learn about how people within our um, community what are the different things that they might be coping with and I think Sarah is such an expert on this and she's very much made it part of her coaching um, toolkit and I think it's one of those things and Sarah will talk about this more that we don't realize how many people who are out there 
who might be highly sensitive and what that might mean for them in terms of the world and what that might mean for them in terms of um, alcohol use as well. So, Sarah, do you want to talk us a little bit through what a highly sensitive person is? Sure. Um, so highly sensitive people were researched and discovered in the 1990s by a woman called Dr. Elaine Aaron. And she discovered a series of characteristics and traits that were um, obvious in a lot of her clients and in herself. And so she went on to research it, um, coming to the conclusion is 20% of the population that fall under being highly sensitive people. And we're now evolving that into high sensory processing because highly sensitive people experience and are a lot more aware of their external and internal environment than are people that are non-HSP. So essentially HSPs are what we would call hypervigilant. Yeah. Their nervous systems are highly sensitive to external input, but also internal things that are going on. Yeah. And so sometimes if this trait is not channeled and managed, HSPs are more likely to experience things like high anxiety, depression, bad sleep, um, addictions potentially, uh, extreme reactions to situations that normal people would deal with without any fun. Um, and really feeling oftentimes like they're alone, that there's something wrong with them because they can't cope. And as you mentioned, Emma, it's that the world that we live in, the pace, the demands, the noise, the, 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 we have so much input. Yeah. And HSPs take on, if you think about it, a normal person would take on, say, 10 cups of information a day. An HSP will take in 100. So their nervous system is on overdrive and that can lead to all sorts of, of challenges physically and mentally. Yeah, that feels so exhausting when you talk yeah. about it. Yeah, exhausting. Yeah. And tell me, how did you start to discover that you um, were a um, highly sensitive person? How did that come about for you? Um, well, it was mentioned kind of, I was at the stage still drinking. Um, so yeah. I didn't pay any attention. <laughs> I just decided <laughs> to have another glass of wine. Um, but the, the way I, the way I discovered it was when I started coaching, I started to see these traits that I recognized in myself and I recognized in clients. And it kind of reminded me to go back and look into the HSP piece. And I went back, I did the quiz and I was really fascinated about how I ticked pretty much all the boxes of what it means to be an HSP. And I guess yeah. um, to illustrate what that means for me, when I was drinking, I would drink before I went anywhere that was social. I had to drink before I went out because I would feel the anxiety. So I would drink before I went out. Then let's say I was going to a restaurant. 
I would walk into a restaurant, high anxiety, because there's lots of people. The noise became yeah. overwhelming for me, bright lights, smells, because we take on so much from our environment. Not only that, I would notice the minute someone was uncomfortable or if, even if somebody didn't have a seat, you're kind yeah. of taking all this in and trying to manage it all as well as your own emotions. Yes. Um, and what HSPs will tend, so we have introvert and extrovert HSPs. Yes. I'm an introvert. So I wouldn't drink a great deal in those environments because I was very conscious of my safety, which is yeah. another thing. We're always um, concerned about being safe. But when I left, I would go home and drink on my own. Yeah. To recover almost. To yeah. recover, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, an extrovert HSP is more likely to be the one out all night dancing on tables. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. They're, they're, they're not as common as um, the normal H uh, sorry, the introvert HSP, but 20% of HSPs are extrovert. So yeah, right. It's not just introversion. Mm. Yeah, that's fascinating. Wow. Mm. But noticing all of these things and you know that it comes over time like for example if there's a ticking clock anywhere near me at night time I can't sleep I can hear everything so everything has to stop um loud noises I'm like the reaction is very very extreme to the point where my husband's like what's wrong with you it's just a yeah. slamming but I will have an extreme reaction to that sort yeah. of thing so you're basically dialed up all your senses are dialed up and what that means is that you're dealing with a lot more than non-hsps all day every day and if you don't realize that that's what's going on for you and that you're seeing more um, and feeling more um, you can look for ways to dull the senses down which is where yeah. the alcohol comes in um, and that's just our, this, this is um, yes. common in men, yes. So it's 50-50 now, 50% wow. men, 50% Wow. Mm. I can see mm. that. It's so interesting because it's, so many of us are walking around with our whole nervous system on, um, ex, you know, extreme activation. And it sounds like mm. for an HSPC, that's even more... And I wonder what are the things, Sarah, that how can you help somebody who feels like that and feels like alcohol is the only way to soothe themselves and it's been their friend for so long? What what are the sort of what were your sort of steps that you took to to kind of keep yourself safe and make yourself feel at home in your body and safe? Ah. Oh. It's a, it's, <laughs> it's a great <laughs> question and it's an ongoing an ongoing um learning for me yeah. you know yeah. i think the most important thing for anyone is to rec like with any point of start of change you've got to recognize the issue and get familiar with it and i started to notice that i was always in this state of survival mode yeah. like like you say, so many of us are, but I was yeah. fully in survival mode. And so what I had to do was start to get really 
familiar with my nervous system and work out, you know, what that looked like being in survival mode. What was I thinking? What was I feeling in the body most importantly? And the awareness of that gave me the skill to be able to say, okay, now I need to remove myself from this environment and I'd been doing that naturally anyway so when I was in a restaurant I would go to the bathroom three or four times even if I didn't need to go to the bathroom just to get some quiet Um, but now I'm more conscious about it (laughs) and yeah deliberate yeah absolutely Um, the number one tool for me has been the breath using my breath to soothe my nervous system so noticing first of all when i'm in survival mode or when i'm in that fight flight mode and using my breath to settle my nervous system and come back to a, a calmer place which is not always possible right but the breath thankfully is always there and yes. we can always rely on it yeah. Um, and I think another really important part of it was accepting that this is who I am and also looking at what the upsides are because yes. there are many upsides to yes. being in FSP. Um, which, I'd love to hear about those. Yes. Um, so HSPs naturally are highly intuitive yes. because we get all of this input like we will notice micro expressions on people's faces. We can often tell how people are feeling. We can certainly tell when people are uncomfortable. And we are at the high end, very empathic. So not only reading the physical, but also reading energy. Um, And the more we connect with our innate abilities as HSPs, we start to feel even more on a more energetic level, which is incredibly empowering and incredibly useful when we're working with people. Um, HSPs are very conscientious. So in the workplace, if you've got HSPs, they tend to be the people that hate making mistakes and they're always, you know, they're really diligent and committed Um, great listeners they step back and they listen and they observe before they jump in Um, and extremely creative create you know they have so many things to draw from in life Mm. Um, they'll feel music you know they'll feel deeply around um, stories and movies and there's, there's so much greater capacity to feel joy yeah it's not just feeling the bad feelings we also have a great capacity to feel the great things yes um and I always thought that made me a little bit weird because I would get so excited about things yes um particularly as an example my sobriety I was it was the best thing I'd ever found and all these other people kind of going what, what what's all this you know what's the fuss about this is rubbish what yeah. why are you doing so it's feeling feelings of all on the whole gamut the whole range a heightened level which means that hsps tend to be really good um counselors teachers um educators those sorts of things because they have this ability to really connect with 
the deepest messages and the deepest yeah. problems. So that's my sales pitch anyway. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like you feel really connected to kind of the universe. I don't mean that in a wanky way, but it sounds like it's the oneness. You know, it's like you're on the when you're in the vibration of, you know, joy and everything. It's that connectivity. It's that connectedness. Does that sound? Yes, absolutely. I'm sorry. I just realised my battery was running out. Um, oh, that's okay. So this is this has a scientific piece to it too. So, mm. so the amygdala, which is you know the primitive part of the brain, fight, yeah. fight, freeze, has been shown in HSPs to be larger and yeah. more responsive. Yeah, right. That makes sense. To danger, but also the insular part of the brain, which is what's known as the seat of consciousness. And that part. I don't know about that. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Well, it's to your point. The insular is um, known as the seat of consciousness, which is the awareness of both the inner and outer worlds and the energies, and that part of us that we, where we really connect, as you're talking about, to, you know, something maybe greater than ourselves. So. it's it's interesting that the science kind of backs this experience up because you know I love the science more than I know <laughs> more than anything. It's so important to me. Um, but to know that if and this is the big if we trust, if we can trust in this and listen yes. and get quiet enough to hear the yes. gifts and the messages and the learnings and the experience of life becomes extraordinary yeah oh wow and I think the way that you talk to it I think there will be a lot of people who who listen to you talking and thinking gosh that that sounds like my experience because as you say it's a bit like and I know it's not the same thing at all but you know when I was talking with Faye about ADHD and now we're finding more and more women are getting diagnosed with ADHD in later life because we're becoming aware of what the symptoms are. And it's like, I imagine that you talking now about this, there'll be people saying, wow, that sounds like me. Mm. Um, And I'm hearing Natalie's going, I find it really difficult because people who are not HSPs just don't get it. No, absolutely. Not that she expects them to accommodate her, but I found it really hard. It really is up to me to manage it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally relate. Now, I totally relate to that. And many HSPs talk about this as being, you know, the problem and communicating a trait which, if you're not an HSP, can often be seen as you're too sensitive. Get over it. Pull yourself together. What's wrong with you? Um, You know, many HSPs, when their children are told, you yes. think too much. Stop overthinking. Yeah. You're overanalyzing, and so yes. that's where we learn to try and internalize yes. and numb and ignore. Whereas, and this is the interesting part that HSPs, if they are nurtured and given um, understanding and encouragement as children, yes. their yes. capacity to go on and do amazing things is is way beyond the non-HSPs because but they have to have had that not acknowledgement and um nurturing but I mean it's so interesting 
sorry, I was just going to say, look, look what Nat's achieved, you know, she, since she's had this extraordinarily creative business exactly. and service that she's offering, which is, is incredible. So she's proof, proof in the pudding. <laughs> Both of you are two of the cleverest ladies I know. Um, extraordinary and um, with huge capacity to do amazing things in this world and just bring your beautiful selves and your beautiful personalities and your ability to sort of witness what's going on around you and you know pick up on things and be the kind and caring people that you are both of you it's such a gift to our community um, well I, I think um as well um it's important like you say that uh, about you know the kind of caring aspect so hsps because of their empathetic nature are very caring people but that can be to their detriment and oh. oftentimes you'll hear them say i'm looking after everybody else yes. everybody else's needs yes um, and ignoring their own and I'm not saying that that's exclusive to HSPs because I think there are many people that feel that in their lives, you know, so, but certainly <clears throat> with HSPs, it's a common complaint that they don't know how to look after themselves. Um, and they spend all this time because they see so much need, yes. <laughs> you know, so much outside of themselves that needs attention that they forget to look inside and after look after themselves. themselves. Yeah, and then I imagine burnout's very common. Very common, very common burnout and panic attacks um, yeah. is another common experience for, um, for HSPs, yeah. Mm. Mm. And so what would you, if somebody was listening to us today and thinking, I really relate to what Sarah's saying, what would you recommend that they do? It's not dissimilar to when people realise that they want to quit alcohol or anything like that. You need to surround yourself with supporters and you need to find your community if you can. Um, the thing with HSPs is once they find other HSPs, they're like, oh, I'm not crazy. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> There's more of me out there. Yes. Um, so there's a wonderful community called the Sensitive Empowerment Community um, run by Julie Bajell. And um, there's a link to all of the HSP resources on my website as well, um, Julie's resources. And she has a community which I love being a part of where we all talk about our HSP experiences. Um, and the other, the other thing is, you know, once you realise that you you're you're perhaps an HSP is to do your research go online do some read some stuff the the work by Elaine Aaron uh, Julie Jelland is fantastic just to give you a real understanding of what that means for you and then the tools that you need as an HSP um, and there's little free courses and resources but fundamentally my, as I say, my biggest tool is the breath. Yeah, is using, and I use it all day, every, even when I'm hanging the laundry. Big, long, deep breaths because I'm yeah. this, you know, a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, really starting to spend more time on your own, um, if you can, and recognizing that you are not designed for the world that is designed by 80% of the population. Yeah. And you have to walk your own path a lot of the time um, and not bend to the pressures of uh, social norms. Mm. Mm. So interesting, isn't it? Um, this whole idea of this work, the way that our world is being constructed is so harm and harmful and dangerous for so many of us. Um, it's definitely time for, you know, the parts of us that make up a smaller percentage perhaps of the population to start kind of rewriting what's what is okay and what's not okay because you know a lot of the things I was reading today on um, an Instagram post someone put and this might be a bit controversial that the way that we you know we deal with a lot of children is very sort of it's almost like bullying there's this kind of level of control that as parents you know we impose on children and actually we're kind of teaching kids that this is the way to behave in the world and it's like you were saying you know where we reflect and we say oh you're too sensitive or you know what's that suck it up or you know what's that yeah, other one? Get, 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 don't get, get, upset. get what you get like, yeah it's all about sort of denying people's experience isn't it and kind of making their experience bad um and it's yeah it's just such an interesting it's such an interesting, I think we're at a pivotal point in the world right now where we're starting to, the voices of the minority groups are starting to kind of speak up and question some of this stuff that's been indoctrinated in us for such a long time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I know in the HSP community, we talk a lot about trying to encourage more HSP leaders um, yeah. in specific forums where things need to change historically hsps because we're not you know we don't fit into the mold of hustle and drive yeah. and push you know that that we often stay in the background mm -hmm. and how can we empower hsps to start speaking up more yeah. and making yeah. our um our unique abilities useful out in the world um, yeah. without overwhelming ourselves and it's yeah. that fine balance that we need to work with but the you know the skills of HSPs in business are if they're recognized extraordinary and you have a room of people and you've got one person in there who is reading everything that's going on and yes. can see if someone's not happy and can yes. see if the presentation landed um, and really drawing on that those experiences as well um, yeah. is is becoming more and more um, sought after in a way those types Definitely. of people mm. it's like that emotional intelligence isn't it you sort of can you really yeah. can see what's happening and you're aware and you're not just kind of focused on yourself and what you're trying to kind of manipulate or control the conversation to be it's um very very interesting um nat says i find being a mum particularly difficult as an hsp i'm so hyper aware of my kids emotions and desperately want to fix mm. their hurts and issues for them yeah i really feel that too i really yeah, feel I get that, that um, and it's hard to to create that space 
particularly if you're an empath between other people's emotions and your own yes and you know taking them on and wanting to solve it and wanting to take yeah. the pain away yeah. you know it's it's really hard and as a coach or a counselor it's really hard oh, to, yeah. to kind of create that separation but at the same time know that that hyper awareness is such a great gift that you're giving your children the fact that you can see and you do feel yes um is something that they will have for their entire lives knowing that because ultimately all we need to do is make sure they know they're safe and they're loved yeah that's it and um hsp well anyone can do that but um you know hsps perhaps can articulate it at a deeper level i don't know but yeah. yeah, I'm sure you can, Nat. <laughs> yes, I'm sure Nat can, one hundred percent. I'm sure I'm sure you can as well, Sarah. It's just a beautiful gift that you bring into the world. Um, but you know, as kind of special guiding people, it's like you know they talk about people with anxiety back in the and we were talking about the sort of hyper awareness being like a you know form of being in that kind of fight or flight. But the people who are particularly attuned to that back in the in the you know kind of like caveman days were like the people who were spotting and looking out for danger and keeping everybody safe and and they had such a really important role in kind of understanding what was going on within the group and understanding what's going on outside of the group and like you say in business i imagine that that's something like that 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 heightened level is really um really useful yeah, and you've just touched on a really important point because HSPs have been around since the dawn of time and there's a reason why species survive. And, yes. you know, types of they people survive. Safe. You know, yeah. we have kept people safe and HSPs, you know, famous HSPs are like um, Emerson and Einstein and, you know, some yeah. of the greatest thinkers. Um, yeah. We're around for a reason. And right. we are there to be, you know, the guides and look at the people that are vigilant of danger, um, that are there to offer creative solutions and different ways of looking at the world and really tapping into what human beings need and strive for at a fundamental level, which is to be loved and be happy. Um, it doesn't get any more complicated than that. No, um, but we've gone so far away from that in society, and everybody's looking outside of themselves for the answers. Right. And um, as HSPs, and I, I don't mean to make it sound like HSPs are that different to non-HSPs, but I think it's just a heightened experience yeah. um, and ability to connect to that really deep level of emotion and of feeling and of understanding of the human condition um, because we live it in uh, high definition. <laughs> yes, yes. We were talking about that before, weren't we, Sarah, mm. this sort of concept of being in high definition and how mm. overwhelming that can be when you first start mm. not numbing yourself. Um, you know, yeah. It takes a while to get used to, I imagine. Well, yeah, especially um, when we've been drinking. And um, mm -hmm. I guess we should touch briefly on that because I know we're nearly out of time. But yes. um, we, as an HSP or a highly sensitive person, when you consume alcohol, caffeine, medication, anything that's st state-altering, 
generally speaking, we have a much higher response to it. So, for example, I'm really sensitive to medications. Um, yes. Coffee is like, Ooh. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, so alcohol, when we drink alcohol, our experience of pleasure is heightened because not only do we feel bad things more badly, but we also feel good things in a better way. So our experience with alcohol is we get the dopamine lift, but we also get the anxiety starting to drift away. And so it's this <gasps> moment. Yes. It's like, finally, I don't yes. feel stressed and anxious. Finally, my mind is quiet. Yes. And so my suggestion, and there's not been any research to prove this, but my suggestion is that HSPs may have a stronger propensity to become addicted to substance yes. and terms to substance because we are so um, hypervigilant, we're so yes. highly sensitive that we get the really big hit and we also yes. lose, we go into low definition or blurry yes. <laughs> yes and for a while that noise switches off yes um, yes and yes. so we That's... might mm. no i interrupted you sorry no that's right i just i i, I just it's a working theory um, i think it, it, it sounds like it makes total sense to me and so many people that i speak to around drinking that's the reason they drink yeah yeah is to take it's away sweet. that to take away that you know that constant anxiety um, and I was listening to a, a, a part again to talk of neurodiversity as well but I was listening to this fantastic podcast on autism and they were talking about how a lot of um, autistic people get into drinking and drugs for exactly the same reason because of that sensory you know it takes mm. away you know having like, all the noise and all the you know experience of um of the world and it, it, it just calms it it makes it all a little bit less intense for a while it yeah, makes sense it and makes especially sense. i think for um for mums as well you know when they're at home and the children i mean when i had little children it was my worst nightmare the noise oh my god yeah and you can't yeah. go and have time in the room on your own <laughs> yeah so, yeah, <laughs> I wish I'd chosen that path. I chose a bottle of Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> but, yeah. You know that that experience was intense. Yeah. It's intense for anyone, but exactly, exactly. When you can't That's... escape, it's the alcohol provides a really, really good short-term fix. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I know a lot of my clients are HSPs. Yes. Um, and learning how to regulate the nervous system, as you and I both know, whether you're HSP or not, yeah. is huge. Yeah. Is huge. Um, yeah. Because we drink to change how we feel. And if we can get ourselves to that lovely, calm state more regularly, mm -hmm. then the urges tend to be less intense. Thank you so much, my dear friend. Thank you for giving up your time and coming and spending this half an hour with me and our lovely community. Um, 
Sarah's amazing. She's an amazing coach. I recommend her so much because she's my great friend and she's often coaching me through things. So I know what a font of wisdom. She always has a new way to think about something that I haven't thought of or a new approach. Or she's a very, very clever, very kind person. And Sarah, do you want to talk a little bit about your business and what you do and what you offer people and where they can find you? Sure. Thanks, Emma. And thanks for your lovely kind words. It's totally reciprocated. Um, I'm lucky enough to know Emma and have her in my life as a, as a friend and a colleague and somebody that I can go to. So um, that's one of the beautiful things about this community is meeting amazing, inspiring people. So thank you. Um, yes, I'm at sarahconnolly.com.au and um, I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching and we'll be expanding into group work next year. But for now, it's just one-on-one. -on -one. And um, the group coaching that I do with Thrivalist and Alcohol-Free Lifestyle. <clears throat> Brilliant. Thank you, my darling. Thank you so much. Um, take Thank good care. You, Emma. I'll share your deets. And it's been just lovely to learn from you today. You're a wonderful interviewer. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my dear friend. Thanks, Nat. Thanks, Bye. Andy. Thanks, everybody else. Bye. Bye guys. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Midlife AF with Emma Gilmore. If you enjoyed it, please share on Instagram for your friends and tag me at Hope Rising Coaching. If you want to help me grow the podcast, please review the episodes for me on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. If you would like to work further with me, please go to my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com for my free and paid programs or email me at emma at hoperisingcoaching.com. Sending a massive cuddle to you and yours from me and mine. And remember to keep choosing you. Mm -hmm.